Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Church, does that not just amaze you to think that we can stand before the throne faultless? But it's not through anything you and I will ever do. It is dressed in his righteousness alone. Amen? Maybe maybe for someone here today, that doesn't really make sense to you because you're thinking, I'm a good person. I, I, I'm not a bad person, BJ, and I would probably agree with you. But do you understand that good people don't go to heaven? Forgiven people go to heaven. Because Jesus Christ said, none can come to the Father except through me. In other words, we have to come and surrender at the feet of Jesus to be able to stand faultless before the throne. I, that, that's not even the sermon today. I just, I knew somebody needed to hear that, that that message, it's for all. You know, sometimes we, we try to, uh, put ourselves in categories, whether that's a message for us or, or whether that's for somebody else. The message of forgiveness from Jesus Christ is for all. It doesn't matter what your sins have been. The Bible tells us we all fall short of the glory of God. And we sometimes we think, well, but my sin is greater than somebody else's. God doesn't have a justice system based on greater sins. He has a justice system based on sin. In fact, you can read through the Bible and, and find characters all through this Bible that could equate what you think, how bad your sin is. And I've seen even worse in that Bible, and yet God forgave them. But it starts with a surrender. It starts with a surrender that says, I admit I can't do this, Lord, not on my own. No matter how good I am, no matter how good I try to act or try to do good things, it's not about ourselves, it's about Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Okay, let's get to the real sermon this morning. How about that? So we finished up last week with our five practices of a fruitful congregation. We talked about radical hospitality. We talked about passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission service, and extravagant generosity. How many of you left here last week thinking, yeah, uh, extravagant generosity, I'm going to change, I'm going to talk to God about this, and then how many of you, something broke at home, like you had a flat tire or you're, you know, something needs fixing now, right? Whether that's a new air conditioner, who told me they had to do new air conditioner? That would be Sandy. Yep, she understands what I'm talking about. Life happens, right? Don't let that deter you. If God spoke a message to you last week, then you follow the Lord faithfully. And he will see you through on whatever that is. And I hope you enjoyed this series. I got a lot of feedback from everybody throughout the last several weeks, so I hope you enjoyed it. I feel like these five practices pushed us out of comfort zones in some aspects. And today I want to talk about a practice that, as I read through the book, it's intermingled in there, but it was never just called out as one of the practices. It wasn't highlighted, and that's prayer. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, 
verse 42. We touched on this in one of our messages, and, and you know I always come back to this scripture reading a lot, but Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, intentional faith development, remember, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Diane's like, ooh, this is my, she's over here, I just see her almost giggling. She's like, this is going to be my sermon. You know, when we, when we read about the formation of the community of believers, we see the evidence of everything we talked about in those five practices, right? We, we see the evidence of all those practices to make a fruitful congregation. But verse 42 also highlights that they were devoted to prayer as a body of believers, now, one might argue, well, well, pastor, that's that's a given. Like, we understand, like, prayer goes into everything, right? But I'm going to rebuttal this morning that when we take the practice of prayer for granted, then we become complacent and apathetic to it, right? It's been a long two years, has it not? And prayer has made the difference, I really believe, as we've walked through these last two years together. And we're not over COVID as much as we'd like to say that, but we're learning to move forward with COVID now. Like many pastors and churches that I talk to weekly, we're looking at how we move forward. How do we, how do we pick up now and how do we move forward? And if you instantly thought, we just need to get back to normal, I think you're wrong. Because God does not bring us through trials and troubles to go back to normal. Because obviously something before that trial and trouble, God said that's not the normal we're looking for. So I don't think it's a matter of going back to normal. But as I begin to think about this, I begin to think about how do I really pray, Lord? How, how have I been praying through this? Have I been praying in a survival mode? And survival mode is not a bad thing. Like, it has its time and its place. If a bear is chasing me through the woods, I'm in survival mode, I guarantee. Or if a pack of stinking cows are in our yard, we're in survival mode, right? It has its time. It has its place. But what if my prayers begin to move from survival mode to fight mode? And you're like, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? Like, oh, no, I'm not fighting the bear, by the way. I'm in survival mode. I'm, I'm figuring out how to reach, you know, retreat out of there without him following is what I'm going to be doing. And I joke about it, but that is such a reality where I live, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's not, a, not really a joke out where I live. But so here's the deal. I looked up these two definitions, survive. Survive is to continue to live or exist, especially in spite of the danger or the hardship. Fight means to engage in war or battle, campaigning determinately for or against something. I think for a while now we've been in survival mode because we didn't know really what to do, right? We didn't know what to do with a pandemic and, and, and all the regulations and all the do's, the don'ts, the, and, and, and the sicknesses, and, and, it's, and it's real. 
But what if we switch to a fight where we're ready to engage? Because, see, I think of survival as I'm not really engaging the danger. I just want to know that I come out alive, right? That's why they teach you, like, is it the bear attack? You cover your head. I'm looking at my men. Somebody tell me how to survive a bear attack in case I need this. You cover your head. You crouch down, right? If, if the whole get big thing doesn't work, is that the first thing you do, the get big or whatever? I don't know. I'm going to scream like a girl and cry probably. That's, that's my survival mode. But then there's the fight mode that says, this is my ground. You know, our general superintendent, Dr. David Busick, asked us pastors last fall. This was his question. He said, are we praying pastors or pastors who pray? And that holds true for the body of believers. Are we a praying church? Or a church who prays. And you're sitting there going, is that not the same, same thing? Like, what's the difference? The difference is in how we seek God, how we respond to God, and how we obey God. The difference is whether we're responding to a circumstance or we're ahead of the circumstance. You see, we're definitely a church that prays, and I love that. I love that not just you guys, but people in our community know to say, we need prayer, can you put this on your prayer list? And boom, the texts start going out, right? I love that about us. I love that we're known for that. So I know that we're a church that prays, but my desire today is that in the year 2022, we become a praying church. And we'll talk about how that looks a little different. So we see the beginning of the church here. And this is after Peter has made the Pentecostal uh, big sermon and more than 3,000 people came to be added to the church that day. And we see what that looks like now to have this community. The next couple of chapters, you see Peter and John. This is, this is where Peter and John are, are walking along and, and a lame man, a, one of the beggars is standing by and he's, he's asking for alms. He's asking for money. Right? And Peter just very honestly tells them, he's like, dude, I, I don't have money. But what I do have, I'm going to give you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And this lame man is healed and he walks. And you, you would think probably that even in today's time, most people will want that. That's not even actually true. Not everybody wants to be healed. Not everybody wants to move forward. But I love the honesty of Peter because he just says, I don't, I don't have money on me. Like, <laughs> no cash. Like, yeah, that's a reality these days. No cash. But they, they heal this man. He gets up. He walks. Well, this... This causes problems. They go to the temple. They begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who Jesus is. Because remember, they're, they're sharing now. Jesus has ascended back into heaven. Now, now they're out there doing what he told them to do. Go make disciples in all the nations. Share my name. Tell them who I am. 
So they're in the temple, they're preaching, and in Acts chapter 4, if you, you go back today and, and read that, you'll see it begins to upset the priest and the Sadducees, right? Because remember, Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. So that's what they're getting pretty disturbed about, is he's talking about somebody that they're claiming has been resurrected. And so they get upset, and they want Peter and John and these other believers, they, they come together and they, they question them, and then they come together as these leaders, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they're like, you know, we don't really have evidence to really do anything to them, right? You understand that. Yeah, we're going to have to let them go, but let's try to really put the scare into them, okay? So they bring them back in, and they let Peter and John know, look, we're going to let you go, but you have to stop talking about Jesus, You have to go tell these people that are running around with you guys, enough is enough. And you have to stop talking about Jesus. So they let John and Peter go, and they go back, and they they meet up with the other believers, and they begin to tell them everything they've been through and everything that's been questioned. They tell them about how they've been threatened. Like, they they, they let me go, They, they gave us a warning, but here's the deal. If we don't stop talking about Jesus, it's fixing to get serious around here. Now think for a moment, church. How would we respond today? I mean, seriously. You, you, somewhere in the week, somebody pulls you aside and me. You Nazarenes up there, y'all getting crazy and I need y'all to stop. Like, just stop. Stop talking about Jesus. We come together. What, what would our prayers be like? Oh Lord, protect us. Lord, move the mountains out of the way. Lord, just make a way. And, and, and you, you understand? That, that's how we... But I want you to look at verse 29 in chapter 4. This is how they prayed. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Hear their threats, Lord. In other words, God, I know you heard what these men are, are saying in your name, God. By the way, these are, these are the Jewish leaders, right? They, they're, they're talking for God, they think. And, and Peter and the others are praying, God, you hear what they want to do to us, but God, in spite of all of that, give us great boldness to keep preaching Jesus' name. Healing the lame man is, is what started the trouble. Verse 30 in, in chapter 4, they, they say, you know, God, continue doing these miracles in Jesus' name. We want to keep doing what we're doing, Lord. But then I love verse 31. After this prayer, so the, the body of believers has come together and they have prayed this prayer. It says the meeting place shook. Woohoo! I was just waiting. I just thought, God, that'd be a great place for an earthquake right now. I just, I was hoping he wasn't on board with it this morning. But do you understand? The place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. You see, those those five practices that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, you can't do it without boldness. 
And church, you can't have boldness without the Holy Spirit working in you. You cannot participate in all five. Radical hospitality, remember that's just, that's just doing good just because you're there. God put you in the place. You see people other people don't see. You see the people that other people, maybe they turn away from. And you just use what's in your hands. Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll tell you what I got. I got Jesus. You can't be bold to be radical hospitality unless you've prayed for it. You, you can't, you can't have passionate worship. Remember what passionate worship, all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength in everything we do outside of the, oh, it's, y'all ain't even passionate worship here. Like y'all can't even sing loud enough, by the way. Because Thomas told me last week he could hear my voice. I, maybe I apologize to Paula. She has to sit beside me. Y'all don't understand the torture. But then I thought, the more y'all listen to me sing, y'all might get brave enough to get up here so I don't have to. We got to fill these chairs up so pastor ain't got room to be in the choir. Right? Boldness to be passionate. And if you can't sing at the top of your lungs here, I know you ain't doing it out there. And the car don't count and the shower don't count. Okay? That's the two places I sound the best. And remember, worship is not just a song. It's in everything we do. Everything we do. What were the other things we talked about? Intentional faith development. You know, you have to be bold to step out of your comfort zone and say, I want to learn more. I want to go sit in Sunday school with Diane. I want to hear her perspective. I want to show up on Tuesday nights and, and do the Bible study or watch The Chosen or read the book, whatever we're doing. Intentional faith development and risk-taking mission. Now, that's boldness. You, you're going to need some Holy Spirit to be a risk-taker. To go out and, and do a service, do, do a, a project in the name of the Lord, even if it's by yourself. And then extravagant generosity, that's the biggest bold move you can make. To say, God, all that I have monetarily, financially, it's yours. So tell me how to spend it. You cannot participate in these if you do not have boldness. Pray for boldness. Now, when we looked at the five practices, I think they all kind of hinged on one thing, though. When you, when you pray about it and, and you listen and you get in the Word, you got to hear from God. This isn't just a checkoff list. This is you becoming intentional to, to come together and, and understand who God is and, and to be able to hear from God. Now, when we, when we talk about prayer, I think we automatically begin to think about how we talk to God, right? I thought that's what prayer was when I first came to faith and started getting in the church. I didn't want to pray because I didn't know how to pray. Why did I not know how to pray? Because I didn't know what to say, I thought. Because I thought that's what prayer was. And it's a piece of it. Remember the disciples? The disciples were Jewish men. They knew about prayer. They were hearing Jesus do it different. And they came to him and said, teach us how to pray. And he did. He gave them the Lord's Prayer, which gave them an outline of this is how we speak to our Heavenly Father. And when you read through the Lord's Prayer, it's all about God. (laughs) But I'm afraid too many times we make prayer about me, right? How good are we listening? 
Amy Jo doesn't have this up on her screen, but in the book of 1 Samuel and Nobo, I know Bo is listening somewhere. You don't have to put it on the screen. Isn't Bo great? He's at home still running us this morning. Amy Jo said she was the puppet back there just <laughs> waiting for his instructions. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, you find the story of Samuel when he's just a young boy, right? And he's, he's at the temple. He's serving with Eli. Hannah has dedicated him back to the Lord. He's there. He's with Eli. And this is the story where um, Samuel keeps getting woke up. Oh, don't you hate when you get woke up in the night? You're in a good sleep finally, and you, you just, ugh. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. And somebody keeps calling out his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he just goes immediately to Eli. What well, What do you need, sir? He's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. <laughs> Eli didn't like getting woke up either. Second time, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli. What do, what do you need? What do you need, Eli? He says, no, I didn't call you. And the third time, Samuel went and and Eli began to understand. I don't think it's me. Starting in verse 7, it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from God before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, this is what you got to do, Sam. He said, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, I want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the the Lord came and, and called us before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. How good are you listening, church? Maybe you relate to Samuel. Maybe you think, well, I I just don't think I've ever really heard a message from the Lord before. Well, have you really been listening? Because I don't know about you, my prayer life sometimes is a lot of me shooting off prayers, right? God, I, I know you know this and I know you see this, but God, this is just what's going on. Can you do something? And I've had people ask me before about, you know, how do you know? What does the voice of God sound like? I've never heard that just true audible voice. When people think of an audible voice, something you and I both can hear. I've never heard that. But I have heard God's voice so strongly in here and in here that I knew I mean, it it, it became real to me. Like, I I knew he was speaking. And God speaks in different ways. He he speaks through his word. He, He speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. Church, that's why it's so important for you to have intentional faith development time for you to get to know the word of God. Because guess what? You have an enemy that also speaks in the word. He just likes to twist it a little bit. And if you don't know God's word well enough, you won't pick up on that sometimes. His word is the best place to start. But he he uses people just like with Samuel. You know, Samuel was, he was young in his faith and he did not recognize God speaking to him. Hmm. 
And so God used Eli to make sense of it for him. That's why when you begin to wonder, is God speaking to me about this? You need to find a trusted, mature Christian person to speak to. Not a friend. Not all friends are Christian influences in your life. You need a good Christian person to go to. Because it says in verse 1, in those days when this happened, it said messages from the Lord were very rare. And I think that's even true today. Even though we hear so many people, the Lord told me, the Lord said, the Lord told me. (laughs) Be discerning when you listen to those voices. Because I think it's, it, it, it's rare today because you have to think about where Eli was when this was happening. The dead of night, in the quiet. Peace and quiet. Boy, that's something rare today. But he does what Eli tells him. When Eli says, whoa, I've, I just had an epiphany. Like, I haven't seen this in a long time, but... Thank God speaking to you. So this is what you need to do to answer him. And he follows what Eli says. Speak. Your servant is listening. Have you ever thought before, man, I wish God would just speak directly to me. Like, God, could you make it so plain? I can't. Who's prayed it? Who has said it? Lord, just speak to me. I was listening to a woman's testimony the other day and things that she had been struggling with in in her life for over 25 years. And she had prayed. She had had recently, in the last few years, come back to God and, and began to pray, and she was trying to get confirmation. And, you know, one of those situations where you kind of know what God's telling you to do, but like, God, I just... I just need to, you need to be very direct with me. And she was kind of a little frustrated because she wasn't hearing from God. And somebody else in her life, God spoke to. And that person went and said, this is what God says you need to do. And it wasn't really what she wanted to do, mind you. And then she got a little mad at God because she said, look, we, we've been talking, Lord. We've been, we've been having this conversation, and I ask you to speak it to me. Why did you tell her, but you didn't tell me? She said, you know what the, his reply was? After several days of, of me praying about this, he finally replied and said, I've been trying to tell you for 25 years, and you wasn't listening. Church, we got to listen. But here's the deal. When when you get to that point that you finally say, yes, Lord, go ahead and speak. I want to hear what you got. I want you to be prepared. Because sometimes when God speaks, in fact, a lot of times when God speaks, it's uncomfortable. He convicts us of things in our life. Just like this woman's testimony, he said, I've been trying to tell you for 25 years. You wasn't listening. So I had to go an avenue where I knew you would listen. Sometimes when we say, Lord, speak to us, he he begins to stretch us. I want you to do this. I want you to step up there and I want you to sing with that choir because I want my people to praise my name. Oh, Lord. Oh. 
Sometimes when, when we say, speak, Lord, be prepared, because he's going to tell you to do the impossible. You know, I'm, I'm in my faith long enough to know, though, impossible, and those are the funnest trips with God. Because guess what? If it was possible, I wouldn't even need God, would I? Hmm. Impossible are the God moments. And he's going to tell you to do something impossible, whether that's how you radically love somebody, whether that's how you radically are changing your life, that's radically how you are changing how you spend your money. He's going to tell you the impossible. Are you listening, though? Are you listening? Because in verse 11, it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, because Samuel said, Here I am, God, here I am. I'm listening, I'm listening. I don't, know, I don't understand how this is working, but all I know is Eli told me to say this, and, and so here I am. And then God says this. He says, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. And I mean, think about everything that we read in our Bible, the stories of God moving in people's lives. And usually when God speaks, it don't always make sense. Noah, build a boat. It's going to rain a lot. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Or, or, or what about that time that, that Saul is on the road and all of a sudden he goes blind? Right? And the very people that he's been chasing down to bring into their death for saying that name, Jesus, those are the people God says go to. <laughs> oh, Lord, they're going to kill me. <laughs> now I'll be with you, son. You see, when God speaks, it shakes us up. When God speaks, the question is really, are you listening and are you ready to obey? And then when we come together and we're praying as a church, when we finally come to that moment where we become a church that prays and a church, a praying church. Because see, I don't think that's an either or thing. I think it's a yes and amen both together. Because there are moments of circumstances where I need you as a church to pray for something. But every single day, I want you praying for your family, your church, and this community, and what God would have us to do. And, and when we become a, a praying church, it starts with a very dangerous prayer. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? I knew you'd raise your hand. I should have had you share a testimony. Can I put you on a spot to share a testimony? Can you come to the mic and, and just share just a very short memory of that moment in North Carolina? Is that the memory you just raised your hand to, first of all? Look at that. Whew. 25 years. I can read his mind, people. Whoa. I, I didn't prep him for this, and I should have. But as soon as I said that, I, I, I thought of you. So just, just tell them how you relate to that prayer. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Hmm. I had went out for the Cove at North Carolina, the Billy Graham um, evangelistic um, training that Dare to Share had taken us to or brought us out there to. And... 
uh, I had been all through the whole the whole week with our teens, just praying and praying and praying, and everything that we was involved in, uh, just that quiet that we talked about, you know, when Samuel was in the quiet hearing the Lord's voice. Well, in that, in that setting where we were away from everything and just focused on hearing God's voice, and I had four teenagers that were absolutely sold out in prayer all week long with me, uh, there at North Carolina, and um, it was just an amazing time that we were able to just put life aside and just listen. And youth ministry and the things that we were trying to do uh, just seemed like you know it, we we was we was just in a place that we just were breaking through. And on the way back from North Carolina, from, from the Cove, going back to, I believe it was like the, we had taken the bus ride back to um, the airport. And on that path back, on that trip back, I believe we was going to Asheville. Um, and I just began to just pray, you know, God, change me. Give me a new, just, I, I wanted to hear from God. And... Um, this is the air that I breathe. Song that is it? Um, I'm trying to remember the the An artist, old one. I don't remember. the the artist that sang that. As that song began to play, God just spoke to me in a way that He has never done before, and it just it just set my heart on fire. And for the first time, I felt without a shadow of a doubt. That God was speaking to me, and I just literally, as that song was playing, I just began to just weep. And I'll never forget that feeling of how God just over, just in that moment, I'm sure like Samuel, that was just overcome with that moment of realization, my God and I are face to face right now. And it was... You know, there was people all around me in the bus, and I'm sure none of them knew what was going on. But me and God had that moment that it just changed me forever, that, that I felt God's presence in a way I never have. And, uh, and, I'll, and, and I hear that every time I hear that song, it takes me back to that moment of how God just spoke to my heart in a, in a very uh, just one-on-one -on -one way that had never happened before. Uh, and, and, it, and it changed ministry for me. Uh, it set me on fire, uh, and and the, all the things that we saw God do through youth ministry really began from that moment for me, and uh, and for many many years seeing many many teenagers come to know the Lord and to learn about God's love uh, really began that day, yeah. and it just changed me. Thank you. I remember the teens coming back sharing very similar aspects. He was only allowed was it four that traveled with you, I think. And, and man, he said, oh, I wish I could have took them all. And, and he talked about how that changed ministry. And, and let me tell you some of the repercussion. And this is just what I know of. I mean, I, I feel like as the years go, we, we hear teenagers that come back and, and share things with us. But, you know, Bo James is in ministry. He was part of that group. Clay Baker was a leader of that group. He was at North Carolina. He's a minister of the gospel. Cody Spate, whether he wants to claim a title or not, he's a minister of the gospel. 
He's planting a church right now. And he, <laughs> he didn't know he was. It just sort of happened because that's how God works. But it starts with a surrender. It starts with a surrender that says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. What does that mean, church? It means, God, I want to see people through your eyes. And the very people, God, that, that I feel like I get so irritated and upset at and disgusted by, God, you love them. And it breaks your heart that they're making the choices they're making. Because do you, do you understand we all fall short of the glory of God? Every one of us sitting here, even, even as a Christian today, I still mess up. And I still have to ask for forgiveness. But you know what? I don't start over when that happens. I just simply am, am, am nudged. And maybe that's you today. As a Christian, maybe, maybe today God is nudging you of, I need you to come back, child. Come back. I need you to, I need you to focus on me. I need you to make choices where we, we, we work this where I'm the sinner again. Maybe you've never made that first step. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today's the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Why, does it, why is today the day? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the rest of this day. And so what breaks my heart when I say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, I don't want a single one of you leaving here today unless you know that you know that you're going to stand faultless before the throne someday. And if you're not sure of that today, then these altars have your name on it. Today is the day. And you have brothers and sisters in Christ who have been where you are and they will pray with you today. But more importantly, as a church body, can we do something we haven't done in a long time? And I know some of you say, I'm not ready to just huddle up, BJ. Okay, great. But you know what? I think a lot of us are. We've already been out there. We've been to the ball games. We've been to the different things. We're doing life. Can we do life as a church together today? Can we pray together today for how we move forward as a community of believers? Stand with me, and, and I don't know if there will be music. I don't know what Amy, Joe, and Bo, if, if they can and if they can't, but that's okay. Worship is not about music. Worship is about our hearts. I won't tarry long. I'm not going to beat you over the head until everybody comes. I just want you to know these altars are open. I feel like our church, you, you want revival, it starts today. It starts with you making a move. It starts with boldness. Dear Lord, give us boldness to preach the word. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before your throne today. And God, I feel like there are people in this, in this audience here with us today that God, maybe for the first time, they need to make a commitment to you and surrender all and say, God, I know that I've messed up. I know that I, I'm not living the way I need to. And God, I need forgiveness. And God, I don't even understand what all of that means today. But God, I know that I need Jesus. Are you past the point of And Father, I I think today as a body of believers, we pray for boldness. That God, we know that there's a a society and a culture around us that don't really want us to preach forgiveness. But God, give us the boldness to do it anyway. That God, I know that there are friends around me that need to know Jesus. And I've been too scared to share it with them. 
give me boldness. Father, help us to learn to listen today. Someone has, they've been hearing you talk to them, but maybe they didn't understand till today that it was you speaking. Speak to us, Lord. Let us hear. But God, above all, we can't be a fruitful congregation until we pray the dangerous prayer. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, I pray over the people today that they begin to get new vision. May they begin to see through your eyes. May they see the people that, they're good people, but do they know Jesus? And may we have the boldness to begin to ask those questions. Do you know the Lord? Do you know his son, Jesus Christ? Can I share my testimony with you? Because God, I believe that every trouble you bring us through becomes a testimony to use to help others. But we need the boldness, Lord. We need the Holy Spirit right now to fall in this place. Fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. Because I'm ready. God, I'm ready. I'm, I'm tired of surviving. I'm ready to fight. And I'm ready to move. God, can you can you plant that in the heart of everyone here? I need a community that moves with me, Lord. God, I need you to raise up leaders in this church, leaders that are ready to teach a class because, God, uh, just like Samuel was called as a young child, we have children in this church, Lord, they need to know how to hear your voice. And the adults in this church, we need to know how to lead them to you. God, I need leaders uh, raised up in, in our music department right now, Father, to help lead us. For too long, God, I've been in survival mode thinking, I don't know if we've got what we need. God, we have everything we need if we have you in this room. And God, with your boldness, your Holy Spirit, we can rise up. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for loving me when I wasn't even looking for you. I thank you, Lord, that all those years of not being in church, you were still chasing me down and I didn't know it. And I thank you for the ones who were bold enough to share the gospel with me. And bold enough to tell me, BJ, you're, you're hearing God. You just need to listen. Tune in and listen. Dig into the word. I thank you for every one of those people. And I thank you for the people in this room, Lord, that I think you're using to affect others. As we leave this place, Lord, I know that Satan will come against us. But in spite of that, Lord, may we preach the word. In spite of what comes at us this week, may we follow what we know you've been calling us to do, Lord. And God, may this community be blessed because of it. And revival is here. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Oh, church. I love you. And I think God is up to some good things. Be listening this week. And when you hear his voice, I want you to just simply say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Have a beautiful day. Go and love on your family, your neighbors, and anyone that comes in contact with you today. Go be a blessing to them. Have a great Sunday. God bless you. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely, 
thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved. Thank you.